TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. It is the Score North Twins show on scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app available for Apple and Android. I'm Rami Makloff along with Twins reporter Derek Wetmore. You Hello. read his thoughts and musings on the Twins at scorenorth.com. How are you this afternoon, Derek? I am well. How are you, Rami? Good. This this is a come down from the last podcast we recorded together because <laughs> yep. that was live at Target Field and uh no offense to our palatial studios here at Score North, but uh nothing quite like doing a show Live from the ballpark, which we did on Friday. Five thoughts. If anybody hasn't caught that, search Score North Twins wherever you download podcasts. Yeah, there's no skyline in here. No skyline. I think it's the big difference. Right. Yeah. Is that a roof thing? Were you was tried, a was roof that thing, a, yeah. a veiled roof shot at me? No, you know what? What's I can't that? wait until you have a roofing endorsement <laughs> because I think that's the ultimate culmination of this thing. Either right? a roof or a convertible from some kind of car dealership. <laughs> One of the two. I'm okay, a big fan okay. of retractable roofs. I see where you're going roofs with Roofs in general, but retractable roofs okay. especially. And uh, beneath the open skies of the great city of Minneapolis, the Minnesota Twins this weekend did what they do, which is beat up on the Minnesota – or excuse me, on the Baltimore Orioles to the tune of now – in the two series, the last couple of weekends, Derek, 23 home runs against one team, 12 of them this past weekend against the Orioles in yet another sweep at Target Field. Yeah, I mean, I almost don't take too much out of this weekend series because, like, they did what you expected them fully to do. In fact, it'd be a bit disappointing if they hadn't swept Baltimore. I think that's more the thing that I'd look at is, like, that team is really licking its wounds right now, and for the Twins to get fat on them in a couple of series, I think does two things. One, it boosts confidence because now sure. not only do they feel like, yeah, we've got it going, but all the media questions are, boy, you really got it going. Talk about how you got it going right now. And so right. you can start to feel yourself a little bit. Right. But the second thing is it's just math. Like It helps you in the standings that you're beating up on inferior competition at a time when the Indians haven't exactly blasted off. So from both of those perspectives, this first uh, calendar month of the season has been awesome for the Twins. And I think one thing you can, well, a couple things you can take away from doing what they've done against a team like the Orioles, Derek, is one, you you touched on it a little bit there, that they, they did what they should do when you're a good baseball team and the opportunity presents itself to, to get fat on some of the lesser teams. You take advantage of that opportunity, and they did it handily. You, you, you sent some prep notes for the show today, and in the email, I thought you, you nailed it perfectly with a few words. They controlled that series, and really both series, against the Orioles from beginning to end. There was never a moment in any of the games where it didn't feel like the Twins were the better team and we're going to win that day's baseball game. We're going to talk about the home runs and mm-hmm. the offense because mm-hmm. – Home runs, they're sure. they're huge. And, Chicks dig and, the long ball. Yeah, they right. do dig the long ball. I have confirmed. Um, Phil and I tried to get Chicks dig Babic. Sources, sources have confirmed Chicks right. dig the long ball. Multiple okay. sources with direct knowledge of the situation. <laughs> okay, good. I look at it though, and I say, okay, yeah, the home runs, that's awesome, and the Twins have a lineup that can really hit them. Second in the American League as of this recording, behind only the world-beating Seattle Mariners, but. The pitching was also satisfactory. You got what you needed out of it. I look at the trusted relievers in the Twins' bullpen. They're still not giving up home runs. Among the guys you trust, trust, mm-hmm. only Taylor Rogers has given up a home run, and that was the Al- uh, Alberto Mondesi Jr. inside the Parker. Yeah. Buxton kind of played into a home run, if we're being honest about it. Right. 
that group is limiting home runs. The starting pitchers have done pretty well in that regard, and it was just all kinds of encouraging signs across the weekend. Obviously, we want to say that with a grain of salt. It's the Baltimore Orioles. However... It's okay. They're on the schedule. You're allowed to go beat them and go undefeated and on that, the season. That brings me to my second point about something you can take out of this series and the, and the two series sweeps of the Orioles, despite them being the Orioles. Uh, Rocco Baldelli talked about the fact that this in between those two sweeps of the Orioles, you lost two of three to the Astros, and the Astros are back in town now for a four-game series starting tonight as we record this on Monday and he talked about the fact that both in the the attitude and the mood of the team and the preparation of the team, nothing changed in that clubhouse and on the field before games and batting practice, after games, on the team bus, on the airplanes, whatever the case might be. Rocco Baldelli talked about this being the same team while you were beating up on one of the bottom feeders of, of the American League in the in the Baltimore Orioles and while you were in a hard-fought series that you ended up losing to maybe what might be the class of the American League in the right. Houston Astros. I talk about this sometimes a lot, a lot actually, Derek, about the fact that it's a 162-game season, and I think one of the keys, besides the the, the actual stuff you can count and measure on the field, yeah. is is the mood and the attitude of a team and of a clubhouse. You don't want to get too high with the highs or too low with the lows. And so far, through, what is it, 23 games this season, it seems like the Astros have a pretty good handle in terms of keeping their, their emotions and their mindset in check over the course of a long season, sure. and I think that starts with Baldelli. Sure. The Twins do, too, for the record. Why would I you, say? You said the Astros do. Oh, my bad. The you Twins do. You know that they do because they've yes. been there before. Yeah, they've done this a few times. <laughs> I knew where you were going with okay, this. Okay, my and bad. You're 100% right. I do want to point out quickly, I was so I was at the Twins game Friday, uh, half as a media member, half as a, a fan sitting in the stands recording a podcast with Rami Makhlouf, mm-hmm. but... Sunday, I was there just strictly as a media member, and I got to say, the quotes that you're referencing were in response to a question. Now, I'm not calling Rocco Baldelli a liar by any means. That's not my job here on this show, the Score North Twin Show. But what I am saying is he didn't really have any other alternate option for how to answer the question. It was because in my mind, I'm going down there, and I'm thinking to myself, boy, if you had 19 games against the Orioles, you could bank 18 wins. Mm-hmm. And then the other one's the swing game. <laughs> do you sweep them or do you go 18-1? and one? But I look at it and say, that's fine. You're done now, though, so congrats on getting fat. The question was posed in the way of, hey, with all the success you guys have had and you're hitting the ball over the fence and all this stuff is great – with all of that stuff, do you have to remind the team that the Astros are coming to town and that, you know, you, not every team is the Baltimore Orioles? Mm-hmm. And, of course, then a major league manager can't say, like, well, yeah, we're glad we beat the tar out of those suckers and now we got to go face a good baseball team. Right. Um, but still, his point rings true. Like I said, I'm not calling him a liar. The point about we will not prepare any differently for the Astros or the Orioles, any of that stuff. I don't think he's just saying it just to say it. I right. think he means that stuff, and we've talked about this before, but guys like Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz isn't going to let the guys to his left and right treat it any differently. He's been there. C.J. Crone, same deal. Jonathan Scope. So even if there was this perception that the Twins maybe would ebb and flow with the schedule and play up to their competition and down, and I don't know if that's even fair or accurate for the guys that are currently in this clubhouse— but 
the injection of new blood, both on the coaching staff, some would say in the front office, but maybe more importantly, just the players themselves in the clubhouse and on the field. I don't think there's going to be any lull. That's why I'm fascinated to see this Astros series because I've seen the Twins beat up on an inferior team. Now let's see what happens when they go toe-to-toe talent-wise. And we saw what happened last week in Houston. And again, they were in that series for for the most part. They yeah. lost two of three. Second one got away from them in a hurry after the two teams went back and forth for a while. Yeah. Third one, Astros controlled for pretty much from the beginning. Justin but Verlander started. Wasn't a blowout yeah. by any means. And Justin right. Verlander just absolutely owns the Twins. We'll talk about that upcoming Astros series in just a sec. But... Before we move on from from the O's series, a couple of guys. Now, Eddie Rosario has been just lights out since the season started. I know it's way too early to talk about this stuff, but his all-star campaign so far is strong, and you could even argue that he's maybe been among the MVP candidates in the American League. Again, very early for that type for either of those discussions, but sure. worth oh. noting what Eddie Rosario has done to this point. And now you have his his partners in crime out there in the outfield, in Kepler and Buxton finding their power over the weekend against this yeah. Orioles team. This Twins outfield could be something that that carries them through yeah. throughout this season. Totally, man. I, would you settle a bet for me? Sure. Tommy? Yeah. I wish we were doing this live on the air to to really turn the screws and put some pressure on you. Mm-hmm. But I got into a big fight with a mutual friend of ours, um, Phil Mackey, a I don't couple know of guy. years ago. Never heard of him. I'll introduce you in the hallways okay. after. You should probably know his name, okay. I guess, around here. But I I was just talking. It was uh, Judd Zolgad, myself, and Phil, and we were talking about the April MVPs for the Twins. This is two years ago. Irv Santana was pitching like an ace. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball for the first month of the season. But Miguel Sano was a beast on offense doing – Sort of his Eddie Rosario impression, what we're seeing right now out of Eddie Rosario. And, and we just kind of, hey, it's Sports Talk Radio. We started talking about who's sure. the April MVP. Sure. I wrote a column on it. It was long, and I went in depth. Here's what's good. Here's what's likely to continue, and here's what's not. And Phil laughed us out of the room. <laughs> And both Judd and I were like, no, what's wrong? This is something we're going to talk about. We can debate it. It's sure. not just like one of those hot take debate shows. It's this gives us a window into talking about an interesting Twins team, and we can talk for half an hour. Phil's like, this is stupid. I'm not doing this, and turned his mic off and sat out the conversation. <laughs> I'm very mature of him. The, 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 very, the, very professional and mature. That's right. The subject matter of April MVPs was just too irrelevant to him so here's my question uh-huh. do you care who the first month mvp is because i do I, I mean, care as a window into talking about the twins who's the twins mvp right now we could have a debate is it uh jo barrios or is it eddie rosario maybe nelson cruz i don't you can only go so far down the list to argue for candidates but my point is like that's a fun topic and it's one that i care about a month into the and season. i think it's i mean in the big picture it doesn't matter who's the april mvp but i think it's it's a good way of looking at just how good of a start eddie rosario's season is off to that he's been one of if not the best player in the american league through a, a calendar month of the season i don't think that's something to be poo-pooed or 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 set aside or or ignored i mean what the guy has done to this point in the season i think he he's the fastest twins player ever to to 14 home runs or 11 home runs, is he not? Is he? I don't know. I, I mean, think he's the fastest Twins player ever to 11 home runs. He's, well, he is uh, leading the major or uh, the American League right now in terms of home runs, and he's also leading the Twins. 
Uh, and that might be just as impressive given the output you've seen from this Yeah, Rosario's club. 11 home runs. This comes from uh, Dan Hayes' recap of the weekend. Or actually, no, it's his uh, article talking about how, how much power this Twins team has. Yeah. It says his 11 home runs are the most ever by a Twins player before May 1st. Wow. Yeah. I mean, part of that is the schedule. I also, like, don't take anything away from Rosario. Don't take anything away from Kepler. The fact that these guys are off to the races. Even Byron Buxton's on the home run board now. He got mm-hmm. on the board on Sunday. Um, I did call that, by the way, and I have witnesses. So uh, so did Phil on Write That Down on Friday. Did he really? After I whiffed with that prediction the week before. Oh, and he Jonathan took yours. Harrison whiffed on that prediction the week before that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So there's a little bit of a history. A little bit. No, I yeah. mean, I called it like within 30 seconds of oh, it happening. well and done. He walked up to the plate and anyways. That's, that's always a good feeling. I should have told you that story off the mic. Now it feels like I'm bragging. I didn't mean it like that. It you was are. good enough for me to beat Phil in a two-year-old argument <laughs> that April MVP matters. I'm I'm still thumping my chest about that one. Um, But the other thing that I should point out, as long as we're talking about the home run surge, they're up around baseball. Like, it's it's crazy that the Twins are off to, they're going to hit 50 home runs, maybe by the time you're listening to this. They're 49 as of this recording. Um, They've got Verlander tonight, but whatever. Maybe you hit one off him or you get into the bullpen. They'll get to 50 right quick. That's not unusual across Major League Baseball right now. The Mariners have more than them. They've got 59. But if you look at it on a league-wide basis, Rami, and then control for plate appearances, so how many home runs per plate appearance are you hitting? I want to say I looked up the last three years. I'm last looking at years. it right now in the email you sent. Okay. So I'm not going to take credit for your research. Okay. <laughs> you <laughs> did this fine. research and emailed it to me. No, that's fine. Um, I, so I'm working on it for a column, but you've got the numbers right in front of you. This will go in uh, the Five Thoughts column that's publishing on Monday. You can find that on scorenorth.com. So through April 27th, which is uh, just a couple days ago, Saturday to be exact, it's uh, 1,064 homers in Major League Baseball. Is that right? This year already, a thousand and sixty-four home runs in Isn't Major League Baseball. Isn't that crazy? Wow, that's point oh three five home runs per plate appearances. Per plate appearance across Major sure. League Baseball. Uh, through this point last year, you had eight hundred twenty-one, good for point oh two eight per plate appearance. In twenty seventeen, you had seven hundred thirty-four through that date, good for point oh three zero per plate appearance. And then going back to twenty sixteen. You had uh, 663 home runs at this point, good for .028 home runs per plate appearance. So what's fascinating to me about that, and forget about the rates for a second because I I know that's kind of jumbled. You're on your run or you're at the grocery store, you're listening to Score North Twins, and you hear just a bunch of numbers, it's easy to tune out. But go back, start in, is it 2016 the first year that I have it for? Yeah, 663. 663. 2018? 821. 821? Oh, an uptick. Yeah. The next year? Uh, the next year is this year. It's 1,064 home runs to this point in the season. From in the 600s to in the 800s to in the 1,000s. Now, part of that is there's a few more games, so that's why I went back and controlled for plate appearance. But the point is home runs are booming. And I talked to a Twins player in the clubhouse after Sunday's game. I was like, you guys are off to a good start with this. Uh, great question, by the way, Wetmore. But I said, you guys are off to a good Hard start. Hitting. Like The home runs are yeah. going well. Like, Yeah, cool. And he said to me, yeah, I mean, this is nice. Just wait till it warms up. And I'm thinking, like, apparently we don't need to. That's the scary thing. Don't have to wait until the weather warms up. The home runs are up in April. But it's, that's the that's scary thing is the ball is going to start traveling faster and farther when, when the temperatures do rise Let's coming talk about up this in the next month or so. After we come back from the break. Mm-hmm. But some people are speculating that the ball is juiced. 
home runs are up everywhere. Guys who weren't I've typically hitting home runs. Let's talk about has it happened, whatever. Do you but, know where this is coming from? Yeah, this okay. is a bunch of research from guys like Ben Lindbergh and Alan Nathan, a physics guy. There's, there's, I think there's some validity to it. All right, let's move past it. And after we come back, talk about do you care if baseball is coming in and saying like, well, you know what, offense right. is good. Here, play with this bouncy ball. That's coming up next. Are the balls juiced and do you care? It's the Score North Twins show on scorenorth.com or on the Score North mobile app. That's Derek Wetmore. I'm Rami Makhlouf, and we're back right after this. We're back on the Score North Twins show. I'm Rami Makhlouf, along with our Twins reporter, Derek Wetmore. Find his thoughts on the Twins at scorenorth.com. Um, when this show is live, there are many, many ways that you can listen to it. Live.scorenorth.com on the AM airwaves at 1500. On the app, which is available for Apple and Android, or just search Score North Twins wherever you download podcasts. Subscribe. Give us that five-star rating. When you listen on the app, you can win Cool, cool stuff. So before the break, you were talking, Derek, about the fact that some folks think, once again, that the uh, the baseballs are juiced around Major League Baseball, leading to the home run, the record-breaking number of home runs that we're seeing, as, as we discussed right before the break. And you said you want to get past it. I just want to know real quick, because it seems like every year we have this discussion. Where is this coming from this time? You said there is some research to indicate that there may be something to it. Yeah, I mean, Ben Lindbergh was out in front of this stuff a ton. I'm looking at a piece right now to the Washington Post by Dave Shinen, and look who's on the cover of that uh, Washington Post story. That's our guy, Twins-designated hitter Nelson Cruz. So, look, they're not saying, like, oh, the Twins are hitting home runs, therefore it must be juiced. They're saying, oh, my gosh, baseballs are traveling farther than we previously expected, and certainly the home run spike is up. Um, I, I mentioned Ben Lindbergh earlier, but I should also point out Alan Nathan, who is one of the preeminent physicists mm-hmm. covering baseball, if you want to call it that. He just he is at the top, at the forefront of understanding the physics of baseball and carry and spin axis and all, all that kind of stuff that's way, way over my head. In fact, I, somebody's like, hey, you might want to check out some of that research. It's some really fascinating stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, like I took a physics class once, and <laughs> I was in a college math class before I quit and dropped out. But, like, okay, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. I started reading it, and oh my gosh, so far over my head, like many miles over my head. So I kind of am, at a certain point, Rami, taking the word of smarter people. Sure. Of course, dangerous, but something that I thought was valid in this case and said, okay, super savvy, super smart people are floating this theory around. Let's just treat it as a given. Let's say that it is. Let's say Major League Baseball, either consciously or unconsciously, is like, okay, well, baseballs that carry farther are good for the game. Let's say that's what's happening. Are they right? Is that true? If Rob Manford's sitting in a panel of executives and saying, home runs are good, offense is good, it's how we can get millennials and Gen Z into this, into these ballparks and buying our MLB TV subscriptions and all that kind of stuff, are they on to something? They are, but I took great exception to the – the steroid and PED era. How is this any different than that? When you're when you're manufacturing home runs through non natural through unnatural means, how is this any different? How are you cheating the fan or cheating the game any less than you were in the well, steroid and PED era? Yeah. So the one problem that I have with it, and this is such reckless speculation, but we do that on Score North. That's what sometimes. we do. Yeah, it's a brand. I would say. 
that it's dicey to say it's definitely juice and it's definitely something that they're actively pushing from the Rob Manfred level down. Right. That that to me is like I'd feel really uncomfortable saying that on a microphone. That's and whenever recording. there are conspiracy theories like that, like you hear all the time of NBA conspiracy theories, whether it's the draft sure. lottery or sure. referees are fixing games. Sure. My response to that always is, do you know how many people it would take to keep that secret and that conspiracy you under to, wraps? Yeah. In 2019, that's for sure. damn near impossible for it to not leak somehow, some way through some credible source. I, I think for the sure. same kind of applies here, doesn't it? I don't know. Like, it's so far above my pay grade to know, like, what those meetings would even be like. But I guess my my pushback, one reason I'm against it is because if it's happening, it's happening under wraps. That's bunk. Mm-hmm. That is where I would be offended and, like, even raise my voice, Rami, which— You? Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard you that, raise your voice. That takes a lot to get me that riled. The one time since you started, since we started Score North, really— <laughs> is when Judd said that catcher collisions should still be a thing and Major League players are sissies since they uh, forced this rule to be changed. <laughs> I about lost it, and uh, if we weren't sitting across the table, there might have been some swings. We might have had our own catcher collision in the studio. <laughs> and, and that's the only time I really got riled up. But what would bother me is if this is happening and it's not happening in the light of day, so you're just trusting smarter people or allegedly smarter people to sort of fix the game in a different way that says action, home runs, points matter. That's what the NBA is doing. Higher scoring games, faster paced action. All right. Well, they're getting more fans. So let's just copy that formula. It's like that's 1% of their formula, right? right? Their product is amazing right now if you like NBA basketball, but that's, that's only a part of what makes the NBA so successful. I would say that's the part that would offend me. But secondly, it is different than PEDs, so I'm not offended by that part of it because you're just you're changing the rules of the game. It's like adding the three point shot in basketball or adding, you know, the clear path foul. It's like clearly the clear path foul before it was penalized the way it is in basketball, that was bad for the game. It was like, oh, we were supposed to get a breakaway dunk and instead we just got sort of a flagrant foul that was intentional. Right. Okay, well let's fix that. Let's make it so that it's not helpful to do that to the defending team. It's the same to me as juicing a baseball. If you were to say, okay, here, we're going to change with the core or change the wrapping or whatever you're going to do to make the ball fly a little bit farther so that all of a sudden, you know, Jonathan Scopes leaving the yard 25 times in a year, that's just a rule change. If you announce it and make it very clear, baseball's floated so many trial balloons the last two, three years under Rob Manfred of, oh, we might change this or... Oh, high-ranking executives are thinking about this. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> hey, uh, Ken Rosenthal, please. Yes, this is Rob Manfred. Right. Uh, Ken, could you float that we're thinking about this? I've got a couple of tweaks we're considering at the league level. I'd like to get the sports talk show take on it and the sure. fan temperature. Yeah. Could you float this as a possible change? This is not one that we've ever heard in these trial balloons that they're floating up. That, to me, would be pretty disingenuous. And I will say that one of the things that irked me about, because people will say, I, I like seeing home runs. Let guys use PEDs. Let guys use steroids. And my counter to that is always, okay, but then the guy who doesn't want to put that garbage in his body and face whatever repercussions or, or, or side effects there are to that, he's at a disadvantage. So right. it's, it's either it's either cheat and poison my body or 
you know, lose essentially and maybe even lose my job to sure. somebody who does decide to use this competitive advantage, at least with the juiced ball. At least it's it's a level playing field for everybody. Sure. Everybody's playing with the same the same ball and has the same chance at putting that ball over a fence. So it is a little bit different than PEDs and steroids. And the way that it's not though is that when we look at records, when we look at I was just going to ask you this. Th- this if this that is matters. true, if this is true, it taints home run records. I mean, I don't know about you, Derek, but me I, much like Stugatz from the Dan Lebetard show, I keep my own record books, and Barry Bonds is not the home run king in my oh, record. Really? No. Hank Aaron is still the home run king, and Roger Maris is, sti- is still the single season home run king because That's interesting. I don't count steroid guys. I don't even put an asterisk by their name. They're just not in my book whatsoever. Well, Bonds is first in my book. They're just out. And baseball's book. Well, your book is wrong. <laughs> so is baseball's. <laughs> So uh, do we have to keep different record books right. for the for these guys and, and for different eras if indeed the ball is juiced? That, that's the part of it that I think there is some gray area sure. in terms of the morality and how it changes our perspective of the game. All right, baseball. Here, I'll make it real easy for you. We're going to cut this thing down to 125-game season, but we're going to juice the ball by the percentage of games lost so that it, <laughs> it, it carries X percent farther and your Nelson Cruises can still get to 35, 40 home runs. Uh, here's where I do feel a little bad for it is, like, the pitchers didn't do anything to deserve this. Right. Like, they were just getting a handle as a collective whole on how can you tweak your pitch repertoire to be an assassin. How can yeah. you go from Trevor Bauer who'd emerged to Trevor Bauer who is deadly with a Corey Kluber slider and a new changeup plus the velocity that he's built over the years? Like that to me should be rewarded. And now if if all of this is happening, now you're Justin Verlanders, you're Trevor Bowers, you're Corey Klubers, even your Jose Brioses, we're gonna keep the ball in the ballpark. Those guys are still gonna be extremely sure. valuable. But if the aces went from giving up 12 to 15 home runs a year to like 25 and that's the new baseline that sucks for for a pitcher who's looking to get paid off of how well he prevents runs it would be it would be really problematic to me again if if there's anything going on here whether it's funny business or not uh, if there's something about the baseball or the just environmental Did, changes that are causing this home run spike, I would be pretty offended if I was a starting pitcher. This research that you read, and you said at some point it was over your head and you just gave up and said, I'll Way take their word for head. it. Yeah. Were they. Because something that bothers me about past studies where they, they indicate that the ball is juiced is that. They don't actually study the ball. They just. They study the numbers, they see the spike in home runs. Exit velocity, whatever the case might be, and sure. they, so and then they go well. So, due to these numbers, we hypothesize that the ball must be juiced. I read I read a study last year from I think it was MIT where they actually tested baseballs because this was a theory that was floating last year that yeah. the balls were juiced. They actually tested baseballs from 2016, 2017, and twenty eighteen and found that there were negligible differences between the three different baseballs. Did these studies? talking about 2019 did they measure did they study and measure the baseballs themselves or were they just studying the statistics the spike in home runs and other numbers that might indicate that a ball is juiced because there are a lot of other factors that could be leading to this this rise in home runs we're talking about Derek just a style of play guys are trying to hit the ball higher and harder pitchers are throwing the ball faster than they ever have that equals 
more force coming off the bat. And on top of that, where we've come in sports nutrition in terms of diet, exercise, functional functional strength, everything that that we've made leaps and bounds of progress in over the last 20 to 25 years when it comes to sports science. Sure. Guys are just bigger and stronger, so they hit the ball farther and harder. Doesn't that doesn't, all those things have to have to make a difference? Yeah, maybe more than juicing a baseball could, don't they? It adds up, and I get where you're going, and that's probably part of the difference. But I I have a couple of smoking guns here from the research that you referenced, and there's some new stuff I'm reading that Washington Post story here. Um, for one, you're seeing it at a rate that I don't think could be explained by advance in human performance mm-hmm. because you're also talking those same advances on the pitching, the pitching side. The pitching side, true. So that's a bit of a tough needle to thread for me. And again, this is all if, but one change, too, that you've seen is the International League. Uh, I think it's just all of AAA, if I'm not mistaken. So don't quote me on that, but just for the sake of conversation here, two buddies in a bar, I think uh, – one change made to AAA this year is that they were going to use the major league baseballs. They're going to use the same balls. And again, the phrase that Rob Manfred hid behind last year in the studies that you're talking about is like, well, all these balls that have been tested are within the specifications. There's like a range that you can have sure. for, I don't know, if it's a rebound or whatever, how tightly they're wound or what mud is rubbed on them from a river in Costa Rica. Like all of that stuff. A little bit over my head. I'm going to be honest with you. Sure, but they're uh, they're within the specs that MLB apparently allows. It's like if you're at the outer edge of those specs, that kind of always that yeah. sort of raises some eyebrows, raises some questions. And again, the home run spike at AAA is happening, and the only thing that I can think, yeah, guys are launch angle now, and they're talking about this and get the ball in the air, and 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 all that stuff's true. But also, you're seeing a big, big spike there while they're using the major league ball. So that's kind of a, that's a little bit of a smoking gun. I have a quote here from you for a guy who would know. Alex Cobb had something to say to the Washington Post for this story, and he said, "quote I say a guy who would know because the Twins are basically taking batting practice off Alex right. Cobb anytime he takes them out. It's home run Orioles. derby, right?" He said, "quote I'm amazed the question is being asked." The ball is juiced, said Orioles starter Alex Cobb. This is according to the Washington Post. Quote, we're in the entertainment industry, and if fans really do enjoy watching home runs, then that's what's going to be done. And that's fine. It's just frustrating to have to answer the questions as if it's performance-based. When I've been working on my craft with a certain type of ball my entire big league career, and then all of a sudden it's changed, it's hard to talk about it because as pitchers, it just sounds like sour grapes, end quote. It's a wonderful glimpse into what major leaguers think is going on. It's just one guy, one out of 750, and one who's been particularly damaged by the long ball. So take that for what it's worth. But the fact that he points out that bias and says, I don't even like talking about this because it sounds like sour grapes, it's something that is at least interesting and it's worth entertaining the possibility that Major League Baseball is like, yeah, we have these certain specs, and if the baseballs just happen to be on the far outside edge of those specs and home runs happen to go up, we're not going to do anything to stop it. We're not going to fight against it. It's just, it's all, again, if, I'm probably going to put that in the headline of the podcast, if the ball is juiced, but it's fascinating to me that this is a, a distinct possibility of something that's going on. Do you think with all these factors that we're talking about, juiced ball, if that's the case, bigger, stronger guys, Bigger, stronger pitchers, throwing the ball harder, some more force off the bat, launch angle, exit velocity, all the stuff that we talk about in baseball in 2019. 
will somebody legitimately break the single season home run record without no. PEDs? Do you think? No, no. I mean, seventy three is a big number. No, no, I'm talking about the actual one. Yeah, what's your actual 61. one? Sixty one. Sixty one. That's yeah. a that's a pretty high number too. I mean, it's not Barry Bonds in his prime, but it's a pretty big number. Sixty one is hard, man. Eddie Rosario just put in a month of work. Right. I mean, that might go down as the best month of his career. I yeah. don't know. We'll see. Eleven home runs in about a month's time is amazing. Now tried replicating that five more times. Basically, have the hottest month of your career and then do it again. Right. And then do it again and again and again and I mean, one you, more time. You could even take Christian Yelich. I was going to point to him right. as a guy who has a shot. He's right. got an outside shot to do it. I don't think the individual single season record will fall because I think if this reaches some outer extreme of performance, baseball is going to do something about it. I think they're going to step in. They're going to intervene. Um, the shift won't change home runs, but that's something they're kicking around changing. They'll figure out some systematic way of like, all right, this is getting a little ridiculous that I come to the park every night and every hitter is only going to strike out, walk, hit a home run, or be Williams Astadio. Those are the only four, <laughs> the four true outcomes. Four for, true outcomes for major league hitters these days. And and look, truthfully, I don't think that game is as entertaining. I still love baseball. I still like the way the game is being played. But if you're looking on a macro perspective from a marketing angle, is that really going to draw people? Like, is a nine to seven ball game where there were six home runs? Is is that what's going to get people in the seats? I would argue no. We'll see what Major League Baseball concludes. But I think as as baseball players push and push and push, and that ceiling rises on the number of home runs, as does the floor. Yeah, I wonder. I wouldn't be too shocked if baseball stepped in. Do I think the total home runs hit in a major league season will fall? I think that'll fall this year. But do I think Christian Yelich is going to top Barry Bonds or whoever the heck you said had Roger the home Maris. run? Yeah, that guy. I don't know. I don't think that that's going to happen. I don't. I don't think you? they're going to get six. How dare you, that guy, Roger Maris, the true single season home run king? <laughs> I know. That How was, dare you? Sir? That was just to needle you, but I realize I just lost half the audience. Oh well, that's all right. It's Barry time, Bonds is the true king. It's time for a break, anyways. I'll 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 do the last segment by myself. We don't need Derek. <laughs> just all right. Baseball purist Rami Makloff with the Score North Twins show returns right after this. Back on the first place Score North Twins show, I'm Rami Makloff along with uh, Derek Wetmore on scorenorth.com and on the Score North mobile app available for Apple and Android. When this show is live, listen to us live.scorenorth.com. And Derek, uh, we were at Target Field on Friday for La Tortuga night. Yeah. Uh, no, no La Tortuga for the first seven inning. It was it seventh or eighth inning that he came eighth in to pinch, pinch it? it, I think. And of I, course, yeah, of course, being the showman and the Hall of Fame baseball player that he is right. comes up with the hit and in his one and only plate appearance. What would we be doing, certainly not our jobs as the hosts of the official <laughs> La Tortuga fan show in the Twin Cities, if we didn't talk about that. Right. Um, we were at the game. We You mentioned earlier in the show, Rami, recorded a Five Thoughts podcast in Section 232. Yeah. There's a photo on your Twitter account, at Rami is tweeting, if you want to go find that. Um, what else did we do? We did a Twins Minute where we, we reviewed— I reviewed the La Tortuga sandwich. The torta, I the, believe. Is that what it's called, really? Dude, and I saw pictures on— oh, yeah, it's They a did tort- a TV yeah, okay. commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, so it's like a little panini situation with ham and, like, cheese in a can and lettuce and onion and a special, like, hollandaise sauce or something like that. I, I'm probably getting it wrong. I'm not a chef. I think chef. you're pretty close. Okay, I'm yeah. not a chef and I'm not a 
food marketing expert. Uh-huh. But the photo that they had in the on the TV, it looked like <laughs> one of those things that you see on Reddit, like expectations versus reality. Right. The TV picture looked really, really appetizing. And I was like, dang, give me that torta. And I don't want to come down too hard on anybody at Target Field. All the people in the vending and concessions work super hard and do a great job. And Target Field Food Day was a great experience for me. I enjoyed everything I ate there um, and felt it for days afterwards. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you did. I don't know if it was just, and it wasn't bad. The word I used to describe it was underwhelming. For the sandwich, it wasn't bad. It was it had its good elements. It had it had its not so great elements. The execution was off. The idea of the sandwich is great. The execution of the sandwich was a little bit off. It was supposed to have lettuce. It had very little lettuce. And that was lettuce a that big was difference. On it was very wilted. It was supposed to have onions. Each half of our sandwiches had one little sliver of onion just laid across the top of the ham. That's that's not putting onions on a sandwich. That sure. is that's not a sufficient amount of onions to say that you've put onions on the sandwich and then the cheese like you said it was it was cheese out of a can basically yeah um, i will recreate it and felt Im- like it. and improve on the la tortuga sandwich yes. this week and it'll be the next rami's recipe yeah at score i'm stoked for that like i i can't wait like you're you're gonna have to copy their bread situation though because that was, was the part really good that was on point talera bread okay and i thought the ham was really good you you gotta know i don't have to know i, I think, just say i think it. i thought the ham was very very good okay now judd is insisting judd zelgad mackie yeah. and judd with rami weekdays four to six on yeah score where North. can i okay um, score he's he's insisting on getting a hot La Tortuga Torta. Um, so I told him. Oh, at, at our studios. Here, because okay, I'm, okay. I'm bringing it in for sure. the Score North staff. That's right. Um, I, I proposed this. I'm waiting for Phil to get back to me. Our cafeteria downstairs closes at 1.30. Yeah. So I'd like to take over the cafeteria kitchen. Wow. Make the La Tortuga Tortas right down there in our cafeteria. Wow. And dish them out to the That's Score North staff. a big ask. Fresh and, and I, hot off the griddle. I appreciate you swinging for the fences, just like your guy, Roger Maris. <laughs> uh, nothing else. I'm going to make contact. So, so <laughs> well, maybe it's just like your guy, Williams Estadio, then. Uh, we'll get to him as a player. He's on the injured list. We talk about that and everything like that. But since you are the official uh, chef, uh-huh. restaurant critic, uh-huh. restaurant tour, yes. food pitchman, and stadium food tour expert. Expert, I'll take expert. Yeah. Since all of that fits on one business card somehow uh-huh. for you, Rami, <laughs> I, I, I guess I need a rating here uh-huh. on the food before we do move on to the baseball. Okay. And so you can buy some time. I can just explain to you. Do you already have your own like Rami's rating system? Like no. Roger Ebert had his thing. Ebert and Roper. I they don't. did the thumbs. I come up with one, shouldn't I? All so right. I'll just float this out there. By no means have to take it this time. It's right. pr- it's pretty tough to do off the cuff, but like maybe just let this float around in your subconscious for a little bit. I have a buddy, a good friend of mine, who does. Like we used to do restaurant tours uh, when I was living in Uptown. You'd go to like a Uptown establishment, or you'd go to Eat Street, and you'd have a meal. Sure. Then whatever cuisine that was, you would pick out some foods and use that as your review. So pizza's the easiest one. You'd have like a nice slice of pie at uh, any of the fine pizza places in Uptown. By the way, we're still looking for an official pizza of Mm -hmm. the Score North Twin Show. First place, Score North Twin Show. But you'd then review it with like like, five slices. You'd be like, no, no, no. It'd get more intricate. He'd be like, I give that pizza... Two thick-cut uncured pepperonis, 
<laughs> a small handful of anchovies and four cloves of finely diced garlic. So it's a measuring system that nobody has any idea. That's exactly right. Necessarily if it was good or bad. And then you have to kind of parse through like, ah, those things he just said, would I want those on a pizza? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'd probably eat that pie. Sure. And then, okay, so that was good. And you also had to kind of take in context and consideration. Anyways, a long story longer, he just made up this absurd rating scale and then was keeping track for like a year and a half. <laughs> so like any taco place, any any authentic Mexican food in the nine-county metro, yeah, I got a guy if you need a review for it as you're like sorting out through the Twin Cities food scene. Yeah. He'll have a bunch of reviews that mean nothing to me because well has him ranked rating system. He has him ranked. So like the top dog is here, second, third, but then the review is yeah, like uh you know spicy nacho with red cabbage and uh, chipotle aioli. Sure, you're like, "Mm, is that first place or third place? I don't know. It sounds good though. I'm in. So you could use that as Rami's reviews if you wanted. I'll keep it simple for this one while I try and come up with something clever like that. On a scale of uh, one to five turtles for the La Tortuga sandwich. One to five, okay. I'm going to give it two and a half turtles. Two and a half turtles. Two and a half turtles for mid-pack, the La Tortuga. A mid-pack sandwich. Yeah, it's a C. It's a solid C. You'll eat it. Right. And if you're hungry, that 10 bucks is a steal. Exactly. But there are finer foods, finer <laughs> fares at Target Field. Oh, for sure. Okay. All right. Absolutely. Just yeah, making sure. much much better choices out there at Target Field. We should talk some baseball we in should. this segment before Speaking we lose everybody. Tortuga, he went on the DL uh, on the Saturday. IL. I went to, or the IL. Excuse I, me. I've done that like ten times, so uh, I'm just we'll, we'll work on it together. I went in to go see Avengers Endgame Saturday morning, okay. and came out, and the greatest superhero of them all, Williams Astadio, yes, was on the IL with a pulled hammy. That was uh, that's sad that that was your end game. Well played, I guess. Um, this doesn't seem to be anything serious, though, Derek. For, yeah. for those of you, <laughs> you don't have to give the, me credit in the for La that. Tortuga fan club, no. I don't think that this is anything to be gravely concerned about. Nah. The, the, although they can linger, they can be something that does pose a problem for longer than the original window. But all indications are it's a ten day IL stay, and he should be all right after. Well, that. yeah, strained left hammy and got it running the bases on Saturday against the Orioles and. The old uh, baseball joke, to be clear, I'm not making this joke, but the old baseball joke is you can't pull fat. So <laughs> it's worth noting uh, that Williams Estadio does have a soft tissue injury. Oh, here's where I would be a little concerned is that he's put on the injured list and Jake Caves recalled from Rochester to be the fourth outfielder. And Rocco Baldelli talked at length about how he wants to find plate appearances and find actual playing time for Jake Cave. He's setting aside the fact that he has three starting caliber outfielders, of course, but I think you could squint and look at this and say Jake Cave's also a starting caliber outfielder if he was just in the right situation. To me, he looks like a nice baseball player who is stuck in an unfortunate spot. I I guess I don't know how he plays his way out of this short of finding an injury. Where it gets dicey for the turtle is that he comes back, whether 10 days, two weeks, whatever, not only is Miguel Sano on the mend, which, news update, he is starting games for the Fort Myers Miracle in Class A. I just saw that come across the wire mm-hmm. before we started taping. So Miguel Sano's coming back at some point. This pitching log jam ain't going anywhere. That's going to be a season-long puzzle to try to figure out. And then you got Jake Cave's presence, who you know the manager wants to have on the roster. Ere Adrianza, 
I don't know. There's just a bunch of moving parts, and it gets difficult. My point is, if you're La Tortuga, you probably don't want to be out too long. You don't want them to forget about you. You want them to have to make their plans around you as a member of the 25-man roster. That numbers crunch could get serious as the summer goes on. Let me ask you this, and the Twins probably have a much more intricate and accurate way of measuring the answer to this question than, than you or I could probably give. Of those other guys who are contenders for that roster spot that we're talking about, do any of them, in your opinion, bring more value to this team than Williams Estadio? I think Rocco would say, well, it's complicated because he would want to dodge that question. Sure. And I would That's just why I'm answer it. you and not Rocco. <laughs> Thank you. Uh-huh. I would just say, no, you, could, you couldn't afford Rocco's price tag. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was manageable. For an hour? <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> Mine was manageable, free. Uh, but I look at it and I say, if you need an outfielder, Jake Cave's your best option. If Sano's healthy and playing well and he's a starting third baseman, well, that solves a lot of questions because then Marwin Gonzalez is your do-everything, the guy that you signed him to be. Right now, as he's your starting third baseman, that's where it gets a little messy. And I basically view it as between, you know, an extra pitching spot, Jake Cave, Williams Estadio, A. Ray Adrianza. And out of those, I mean, assuming your pitching gives you the coverage you need, Estadio is the most valuable. He he brings the most to the table in terms of what he can do. But it's more complicated than that, as Rocco would surely point out. It's situational. Do you need the glove in the outfield? Obviously, it's Cave. He's going to be a better outfielder than La Tortuga. Do you need the extra glove in the infield, somebody who can play shortstop? Well, then obviously it's Adrianza. You're not going to ask Astadio or Jake Cave to play shortstop. So it's a cop-out answer, but I would say it's more complicated than just saying, like, who's the best? I will say, based on what I've seen from him last season and this year— I don't think he should be the victim of a roster crunch, a numbers game. I don't think he should ever be on the outside looking in just because the roster is tough to work. I think this guy brings real value to a baseball team. Get well soon, La Tortuga. We're rooting for you here on the Score North First Place Twins show. That's Derek Wetmore. Find his work, his thoughts, his musings on the Twins at scorenorth.com. That's brought to you by Shane Company, your friends in the diamond business. And listen to this show and all our Twins programming. We bring you Twins programming Monday through Friday. Just search Score North Twins wherever you download podcasts. Listen to us live, live live.scorenorth.com, or go get that app available for Android and Apple. Give us that five star rating. Subscribe to all your favorite podcasts. For Derek, I'm Rami saying thanks for listening to the Score North Twins show, and we'll talk to you next time.